Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. I'm Kelly. It looks like you forgot. I had to think about it for a second. Did you forget your name or forget where you were or what? I forgot where I was. I forgot what we were doing. I forgot (laughs) who I am. I forgot what I need. I do feel like it's probably difficult, slightly difficult to get into the podcast because it used to be like, I'd be like, okay, you ready? And be like, yeah, 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 I'm ready. And I'll be like, okay, okay, one second. And then I'd like take a deep breath and then I'd do the hello everyone. But now like, we'll be just like, if there's a slight lull in our conversation, I just go. Yeah. So you never get true warning anymore. Yeah. You don't make it easy for me. Yeah. I kind of took that away from you and I, I don't think it's appropriate for me to apologize because I... (laughs) Um, to be frank, I don't care. Wow. So. You know what you should care about? Oh, no. Wiglet. No, I put it in here. I don't know. The Pokemon. You know why? Because he's Wiggly. And he's a little guy. If ever we had visual aids. (laughs) Just put him in the thumbnail. No, then we'll get demonetized. No, he's, it's not, it's just a plush. Did you look at the second picture? You're you're the one with the di- Look at the second picture. Okay, I'm looking at the second <laughs> picture now. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Wiglet is a Pokémon and he pops up from the ground, right? He's like a uh-huh. he's a different version of Diglett, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he pops up from the ground <laughs> and oh. he, that's what he does and this plush uh, respects that aspect of his personhood very much so uh, by having him pop out of the ground and you can see a base and <laughs> the uh, worm-esque formation of Wiglet. So uh, there's like a long um, yep. piece and then there's a base. And <laughs> that's really all I'm going to say about it because um, that's all I can say without turning this podcast into something that it is most certainly not. Did you think that I included this just because they were making a Pokemon plush and not because it's... No, I I knew... Well, here's the thing. This is kind of a slow news week, and I thought that maybe it was going to be really cute or you just (laughs) wanted to hear me talk about plushies because, you know, I love plush. Uh, This probably... This plushie I probably will not be adding to my collection. You don't want this good old-fashioned ten and a quarter inch... uh, cylindrical I I don't plush I don't I don't I have um never mind I don't I'm good I'm good on that it's It's $25 too which is a lot it's pretty steep for a stuffed animal it's a dick uh anyway moving on keeping to the Pokemon train uh this story is a lot less phallic uh the Pokemon (laughs) COO had an interview with comicbook.com and they were asking uh, asking him about the output of Pokemon games and the possibility of slowing down the output. This is in response, obviously, to the Pokemon Scarlet-Violet quality debate that kind of uh, circled around all of the Pokemon games of the past year, that being Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Arceus, and Pokemon Scarlet-Violet. When talking to comicbook.com, he said... And I quote, 
always having these products be able to be introduced and new experiences for our customers. That's how we've operated up until now. I think we're still operating in that way, but there's more and more conversations as the development environments change about how we can continue to do this, can continue to do this while making sure that we're still ensuring really quality products are also being introduced. I'm bad at speaking, but that was also a weirdly translated sentence. It sounds like they used like an AI to formulate that response. Yeah, I was reading through that was not easy. Um, anyway, it's an interesting thing to talk about because, you know, if you look at the sta- the sales of those three games I just mentioned, they're all around 20 million units. And all of them came out within 12 months of each other. It was Brilliant Diamond in what year is it? 2023 so that one came out in 2021 christmas of 2021 and then legends arceus came out right after in january of 22 and then scarlet violet came out christmas of 22 so within a year those three games came out and they all sold 20 million units yes there was a lot of discourse does the pokemon company really have to care no they don't sucks. have to at all. No. My, my <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to say too much because the last time we talked about a video game series that was um, teasing, going, uh, cutting back on production, they uh, completely changed their mind. And I don't foresee the Pokemon company uh, ever not overproducing. But um, yeah, I just, it's not, it, it, it it doesn't matter what critics say. People will buy Pokemon no matter what. We saw that with Scarlet and Violet and, and how many people bought them and how best-selling they really were. So yeah. I don't really foresee this ever changing, ever. I think they I make think way too much money. I just look at – I know this is an odd comparison, but Call of Duty. And this is I know this is the third week we've talked about Call of Duty on the show, and it's probably uh, making certain audience members a little bit sick to their stomach. Um, they can get over it. Yeah, sorry, Cameron. Um, <laughs> but that that game comes out every year. That series releases a game every year. They always have. And those games don't come out broken and buggy, usually. What's the difference here? They bring in different studios. So Activision is the publisher, but, you know, Sledgehammer Games or uh, 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 the other ones... Is Ravensoft one of them? I think it used to be. Okay. I don't think it exists anymore. Treyarch. That's another one. Anyway. Yes. Uh, I thought we could. I could talk about Call of Duty and not sound like a fool, but I ruined it's it. It's like it's it's a curse. Like you can't sound <laughs> like you know what you're talking about when you talk about Call of Duty. No, but Pokemon got money. They got huge, gigantic money. Why on earth do they not do that? And I know Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl was outsourced. So maybe that's the answer is even when they do outsource, they still rush it, you know? Yeah. Because that game was clearly rushed. No matter your opinions on the game itself, looking at it visually and, like, what they did with it, it is very much rushed. So maybe they just don't care. Because they could do what I'm suggesting, but... And then they have developers working on games for, like, three years instead of one or two. Yeah. And they still have an annual output but I guess they keep it all in-house, and then even when they don't, they still rush it. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, who's to say? Who's to say what the future of this series will look like? Uh, 
I just foresee a lot more. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> hey, I love... How many guys were in Backstreet Boys? Four? Five? Or in sync five? Um... Well, I know about a group of four boys, four fellas. There's five. Oh, okay. Five. Well, my transition doesn't really work then. Right? But NSYNC has... Five, six. I don't know. I misspelled NSYNC. I spelled it I-N-S-N-Y. I bet they had six in sync. Five. Okay. I was the hidden Justin six. Timberlake... JC, I'm not going to say them. Okay. This is all leading to our next news story. Uh, Joby Fatone. Which is a very exciting news. Uh, a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is coming out. Uh, the Last Ronin. It's based off a comic series that uh, happened a couple years ago. Kind of a dark and gritty Teenage Mutant Ninja turtle story i guess you would call it a story um it wasn't a super extensive trailer uh just a tease and it is slated to be available on playstation 5 xbox series x pc and that's it sorry uh and at the end it just says in development so that doesn't really mean anything did we talk did we talk about this game when it like when there were rumors about like a God of War esque TMNT game? Did we talk no, about it? No. Okay. Which do, do you know which Ninja Turtle this game's about? Michelangelo. Yes, I was not quizzing you. you. You said it, and I saw the answer. I was trying to figure out which Ninja Turtle it is. Are the other Ninja Turtles dead? I. The teaser kind of implies that. I don't know. I didn't read the comics, so I don't know. I'm also not super in-depth te- in of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lore, so I'm not sure. Uh, There's only, like, a couple things about Teenage Mut- Mut- Mutant Ninja Turtles I know about. They like pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they like to sing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... That's deep there's lore. A- that's a yeah, deep I'm cut. not gonna, I'm not gonna specify because I don't want everybody to see it. But there's a, <laughs> there's a very crass, extremely crass and pretty upsetting YouTube video, um, that's mm. an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video that me and Kelly, uh, like to watch regularly. Some may um, call it upsetting, but some of us may call it comforting. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really upsetting, but it starts with a, a young man, who's like, "This is my first song." Please don't tease me. I hope you please don't tease me. And uh, please don't tease me. I mean, Kelly referenced that regularly. Yeah. Well, we don't like to be teased. No. I don't have uh, time for fun or games, okay? Uh, do you have time for Baldur's Gate 3? That I do have time for, even though that is fun and a game. Uh, it's something apparently a lot of people have time for. It is now on Open Critic, which is... Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say our. It is my preferred aggregate scoring site. Is it yours, Kelly? Sure. I don't have a preferred one, to be honest with oh. you. 
Well, it's better than Metacritic because Metacritic weights their scores. So it's like, oh, wow, this score means more because it's from this outlet, which is crazy. And OpenCritic does not do that. And it includes from a lot more outlets. Um, well, Baldur's Gate 3, when it came out, was a 94, I think. And then it rose to a 95. Then it rose to a 96. It has risen to a 97, which is wild because in my like many years of using OpenCritic, I've never seen a game rise consistently i've only seen games drop like for example tears of the kingdom came out 98 and it slowly dropped to a 96 um, which is still amazing but Baldur's gate 3 has just gone up and now uh it is open critics number one highest ranked game ever um do keep in mind open critic is a relatively new website um it started uh, about 10 years ago i believe so it's not absolutely insane. No, it is. That's pretty insane. Even if it is the last 10 years, that's crazy. Yeah, 10 years and on, is nothing to sniff at. Yeah. And on Metacritic, which has been going, it basically includes the whole of video game history uh, in review form. Uh, it is the 10th highest ranked game. So I think it's, I think the game's doing uh, <laughs> pretty good. Would you, would you agree? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Shall I get it? Should we get into it? Into what? I'm sorry. What are we talking about? Um, I don't know. Baldur's anything Gate about. three. The, uh, what's that? Ba- uh, what's Bal- Baldur's Gate three, the video game that we talk about on our video game podcast that we're currently filming, recording right now. Oh, uh, no, I'm good. Okay, it was so much fun talking to you guys today. I hope you have a great night. Bye. Just kidding. I have to make a correction. Also, um. I said that it was 10th on Metacritic. It was this morning on the morning of August 14th. Uh, now at 5.41 p.m. on August 14th, it is 8. Um, I don't know how it's raising by the hour. <laughs> that does not make sense to me. I think more people are playing it and getting further into the game. Yeah, but it's just critics. So well, what critics are... my thinking That's is crazy. nobody really got review copies for the game. Well, the review embargo yeah. didn't lift until release. So I'm thinking people, maybe reviewers who got the game early are probably just finishing now and are maybe able to give their full reviews. That's kind of my thinking. That's crazy. Just as a quick, okay, I'm going to do a quick rundown. The top 10. Number 10. And you're going to see some of the flaws of this list because they're two of the top 10 are repeats. But number 10, GTA 5. Number 9, Red Dead 2. Number 8, Baldur's Gate 3. 7, Super Mario Galaxy 2. 6, Super Mario Galaxy, 5, GTA, 4, 4, Sor- Soul Calibur, 3, also GTA, 4. Um, that's kind of where the flaw comes in. Number 2, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, and number 1, Ocarina of Time. So that means, I mean, I mean if you take out Grand Theft Auto 4, one of them, it's 7th. E- ever. And this list is, I mean, Ocarina of Time's number 1, that's 1998. Ever. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm just getting, not upset, but just ever. Right. Okay, tell me about the game, Kelly. You've been playing it. Sure, yeah. I'm about 40 hours in now. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, you know, no big deal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I talked about it last week, so I won't talk about it too much. Um, I will say that I think the game... 
I don't know if this is just because I played early access and was very familiar with a lot of Act 1 content. But um, once I got to, like, Act 2, the game is, like... I. It's so interesting because I think it's so long at this point that there are things that happened that I look back on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. Remember when that happened? But cool things just keep happening. Um, I just finished Act 2 yesterday and then moving it to Act 3. I do think I'm going a little bit quick um, because other people are like, I'm 40 hours in and I just finished Act 1. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going a little too fast. Uh, well, yeah, but you also had Act 1 for like a year yeah you know so um i just got to act three which is where i don't know if this is spoilery never mind i won't say too much um the game really uh keeps surprising me in new ways um it's just so customizable like the experience the way that you can approach different situations uh the way that your class and race has so much standing on certain dialogue choices ways that you interact with characters I'm finding myself very attached to the characters, which is fun for me because it's it's hard, it's difficult for me to feel that way about certain video game characters. Like, I love the characters in Mass Effect and Dragon Age and Fallout, mostly Mass Effect and Dragon Age. They feel very real to me, even though they're all fantasy characters. Uh, that's how I feel about these characters. They all feel very real. I think it's just something about the way that the player character interacts with them and vice versa that just feels very like rewarding um there's one character and i won't say names or anything i won't because i don't want to spoil it but they are kind of not a good person um (laughs) and it's very evident uh but they go through this like growth and development over the course of the game that by the time you get to act three Uh, you start getting approval for different things and you're like oh i think you're becoming a good person Um, And that's because of your character's influence, which is really fun for me because I like playing goody two-shoe characters. I always have. I I can't be mean to people in video games. It's just not something I can do. Um, So just like the reactivity of the world and the characters surrounding you is very cool. Um, I Baldur's Gate is a city in D&D, just for the record. Baldur's Gate is very, very unique. It's very, very dense. I was thinking to myself um, that there's no way that they could pull it off uh, in the game because big cities and games tend to get shrunk, shrunken. Uh, But they have done and did a really, really good job. Um, I'm I'm like wowed by the team Uh, Because they just had this huge product release. And uh, I don't know. They just seem very dedicated to hot fixes. There's already been like three hot fixes um, in the span of like two weeks. Which is kind of a lot. And uh, they're working on the first patch now. Because like if I was them, I'd go take a vacation. But maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, But anyway, I I don't want to like ramble. And like I said, I already sort of talked about it. But. Um, I'm having a really good time. I'm feeling very um, emotionally fulfilled and satisfied by the game. I feel like it's very much a, for me, it's like a spiritual successor to Dragon Age, which no game has ever felt that way for me before. Whoa, that's huge. Yeah. 
I know. And it's kind of sad because that's always like so that, I mean, that game is so important to me. As we know, I've talked about it so much. I don't even have to say it anymore, but um, that's just how I feel. I just feel similar to how I felt then. Um, That's huge. That makes me very, very happy to hear. Yeah. And I've been keeping Andrew and friend of the show, Cameron, up to date on all of the happenings in my game. Um, Are you just talking about your romantic affairs is what you're trying to say? Yeah. All of my uh, nighttime affairs. Just say what you did. Um, So as a druid, you can turn into different animals. Uh, There's a druid companion in the game. He can turn into animals. Uh, uh-huh. And he turned into a bear. And oh. my character and his character had a nice romantic evening together. Uh, one of them as a tiefling and the other as a bear. So, so that Kelly happened. Bones the bear. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting, too, just the way that, like, certain things unfold. Um, there's a very unique character in the game. I'm really, I really, really don't want to spoil it, so I'm being very gentle. There's a very <laughs> unique character in the game that I was not expecting to feel the way that I feel about. Um, good or bad way? Good. Oh. A very interesting addition to the game because this character was very, very, very different in early access. As in the way they are even in Act 1 is different or just going forward? All across wow, the board. Wow, that's really incredible. So I I really admire that because they kind of threw me for a loop because I thought I knew what I was getting into. And it turns out I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea what was happening. And, uh, well, I'm not going to say anything else. I don't want to spoil it because I know people are playing it. I know some people are still in Act 1 and Act and 2. some of us aren't I know allowed Andrew's to going play to play it. it. Once it comes to console, so um, overall having a great time. I expect I will finish it before the end of the month, which I kind of have to because I have to play Starfield oh my and Cyberpunk, and then I have to get married. But also, as a note, I probably will go back and replay Baldur's Gate 3 like immediately afterwards because I really want to re-roll and do another class and different choices and maybe a little bit more evil this time. <gasps> Kelly's going to be evil... I'm going to do my best. I don't think I'm going to be evil, evil. I think I'm just going to be kind of selfish. You should be evil, evil. I can't even imagine you doing that. I can't. It's so hard for me. Okay. So, like, there's a certain threshold that I feel like I can't cross. In Mass Effect 1 and 2, some of the evil choices are like, okay, whatever. They're not that bad. They're just pragmatic. In Mass Effect 3, the evil choices are so evil it's like, why would I ever do this? This doesn't even make sense for an evil person to Just do. Just completely rational. Yeah, same with Dragon Age. Like, some of the evil choices just don't make sense. In this game, some of the evil choices make a little bit of sense. As in, but, like, you could understand where they would be coming from? Yeah, like, I can see the motivation behind them. And I, while I may not personally agree, I think that a character who was not a good person would be able to justify their actions easily you make me i'm very interested to play this game and it's like largely dependent on starfield because they come out on the same day which is obviously on purpose because it comes out on ps5 that day you know which is not a console that is getting starfield 
Um, I don't know. I I wonder if Sony paid for that behind uh-huh. closed doors because it's weird that it's not coming to Series. Did they confirm why? Is it because of Series S? Because Series S is too hard to make things for because it's so low. Technically, I don't know. I truly don't know. But, and I'm you've only played on keyboard and mouse, right? Okay, correct. But I've heard controller support is actually really, okay, really good. I was gonna, and I've heard some of the controller like. Uh, optimizations are actually better than uh, keyboard and mouse yeah that's because i mean obviously that's how i'll play so i don't know if i'll play on release day i would like to but starfield is free for me because i got game pass so if it's also very good i don't know we'll see yeah um a game i'm trying to finish before starfield comes out final fantasy 16 Wow. Uh, between me and you, audience, uh, don't tell Kelly. I was kind of not a hundred percent meshing with the game. I felt guilty because I love Final Fantasy. I was very excited for Yoshi P's take on the series. I loved the Final Fantasy 16 lead up. I just thought, you know, oh, it's going to be a great game. I'm going to have a great time. I love the way the combat looks and stuff. And then I started the opening act. Great. The opening chunk is really cool. And then things kind of slow down and I'm like, oh, okay. And then something really cool happens and I'm like, oh, I'm back on board. And then it got really slow for a while. And I kind of had to force myself to play quite a bit and it was not super fun and I wasn't really meshing with it, but I got to a point last night. I'm about 14 hours in, I believe, um, some actual like really serious plot stuff happened. I won't get specific, but the actual, like, great force antagonist, like, an antagonist, not just, like, Warring Kingdoms, but an actual antagonist was introduced. And I was like, whoa, they are cool. They are really interesting and really cool. Why didn't I meet this this person immediately when the game started? Because it's it's just so engaging. And now I'm like, oh, I'm on board. And I, like I said, it sucked that it took this long, but I got I got exciting news. I'm on board. I think I'm in, and I think that's gonna be it. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna actually start playing this game full throttle, and I hope that I can finish it before Starfield comes out in just a few weeks. Here, Woo. Um, game I started and finished this last week though, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which is the port of Kirby's Return to Dreamland from the Wii. It came out on Switch earlier this year. I had not quite had the time to get around to it, but I finally did this past week. It's a short one. I finished it and the uh, pretty sizable epilogue in about seven hours. Um, I think I was partially scared away by this game because of Kirby Star Allies, which came out the first year of Switch, the second year of Switch, I believe. Um, And that game I didn't like because it was very slow. The side-scrolling platforming didn't feel good because Kirby was just so slow moving around. The mechanic of, like, making friends with other characters seems kind of cool, but, like, it just massively reduces the pace of the game. This, this, however, has incredibly good pace. I knew it was one of the most critically acclaimed Kirby games ever, but I finally played it, and I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it took me about five hours to get through the actual base game, um which was perfect. I didn't want it to be long. If you went for 100% completion, I think this game would probably take you a lot of hours. 
um, because I finished it and those five hours and it was like, you finished 30% of the game. And I was like, oh, that's not very much considering I finished <laughs> every level. Um, but also I tried to look up how long to beat Kirby's Return to Dreamland and it made it Kirby's Rooters Dreamland. Oh. So uh, wow. after you finish the game, completionist is 25 hour estimate. Uh, after you complete the main game or finish the main game, you get access to Magalore's epilogue, who is the, uh, the, how, how shall we say, uh, morally ambiguous character that Kirby and co become friends with in the main game. Well, in the epilogue, you get, uh, to see what happens with him after the main story. And he has his own like 18 levels. I believe it was, um, has his own mechanics he does not absorb enemy powers like Kirby. Instead, he has his own set of moves, which you can unlock as you move through the game and upgrade. You get points and you like level up and have an ability tree and everything. It's crazy. I was kind of disappointed I was only two hours just because it was really cool. Granted, that probably helped because it was, you know, short and sweet. But I really wasn't expecting it to be as fun as it was for an epilogue that's added to the switchboard. Um, also, the final boss was difficult in a Kirby game. I was very taken aback. It took me a couple tries. And like they like the last try took a really long time and I had to be very careful to not die. And I just was really not expecting challenge in a Kirby game. Um Yeah. Dark Souls. Dark I? Souls. Dark Curbs. Yeah, Cur Kirby Dark Kirby Souls. Kirby Souls. <laughs> uh anyway, if you have any interest in the Kirby series this is a great place to jump in if you haven't already. I very highly recommend it. I got it from my local library, so I didn't worry about the time at all. And seven hours, kind of perfect. I'm, I am I know I say it on the show, but, like, I love short games. I love a game that I can finish in a few days. Like, it just feels good to be making progress like that, you know? So, but that, that was my week. That was for my, those were my gaming experiences. Wow. We had some fun gaming experiences this week, Andrew. I didn't. It kind of sounds like you did, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, I had fun. Sorry, I forgot. You had to remind me? <laughs> I completely forgot. So this week, I played a game called Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Del oh. oh, that's oh, that's that's quite all right. We, uh, we're, good. we're good. Thanks. Kelly, I, you don't want to hear about it? Yep, that's... That's all right. Uh, Kelly, I thought the whole point of this podcast was that we talk about games, and you're sitting here saying I'm not supposed to talk about a game I played this week. Yeah, that's what I am saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my cat woke up. Do you Watch think your the foot. microphone picked that yeah, up? Yeah, I think so. Well, if you heard him, Aww, um, that's my true. cat just woke up from a very heavy <laughs> nap, and he tried to step on the keyboard, Aww. and I don't want him to cut off the recording somehow, so... He's having a. He said, "I'm so sleepy and brave." He's brave. Oh, you're not allowed to walk across the keyboard. We should probably wrap this up before my cat uh, deletes this audio. <laughs> <laughs> well, from me and Andrew and Ben, thank you all so much for listening this week. I hope you had a fantastic week. I hope it's filled with fun. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>